0: Amen. Thank you, Andrew and Abigail. Let's take our Bibles tonight, if you would, take the Word of God and turn with me to two places, Philippians chapter number 1 and Acts chapter 16. Philippians 1 and Acts chapter number 16. We began last Sunday night, we began a series in the book of Philippians. We really didn't We didn't spend much time in Philippians. We really just looked at the subject matter of joy because last Sunday night, because that's what the book of Philippians really deals with, is the subject of joy. And so tonight we'll look a little bit more here in Philippians chapter number one and then in Acts chapter number 16. Many of you weren't here last Sunday night. I hope many of you were watching by way of live stream while the snow was coming down. But we gave a definition last Sunday night of the word joy. We said that joy is a state of peace, hope, strength, gladness. And I, I added a word this week. Should've, we mentioned it last week. It should have been in there last week a state of peace, hope, strength, gladness, and contentment brought about by trust in God's promises, obedience to God's precepts, and delight in God's presence. Because when we think about the matter of joy, as Christians we ought to be a joyful people no matter the circumstance. We say it all the time, but peace is not found in the absence of trouble. It's found in the presence of God. So no matter my circumstances, I should be an individual who is joyful. That doesn't mean that I don't deal with sorrows. Doesn't mean that maybe during a week's time that we don't deal with heaviness. Doesn't mean that during a week's time there isn't some sad times. Doesn't mean that at all. But even in the midst of those, I still have joy. And I submit to us tonight that there are very few people in our world who have joy today. You walk into a store and you smile at someone and you do not receive a smile back. Why is that? Because there's no joy. By the way, you ought to do that. You should. Christians ought to be the most joyful people in the world. And so when you're in a store, Sam's, Walmart, the mall, do they even have malls anymore? Do we even have malls anymore? Wherever you may be, when you catch someone's eye, you ought to smile at them. Now, they may look at you funny, and they probably will, and they may not uh, smile back, but you ought to. Because you ought to let them know that there are people in this world who are still genuinely happy and joyful. (laughs) The dog is not joyful tonight but the dog is going to be joyful tomorrow because he's getting a new home tomorrow. Praise! Yes, do it again. My wife. Do we raise hands in church? Yes, we do. When the dog gets a new home. If you, if you didn't hear, the dog is... Actually, he was just amening what we were just saying is what he was doing. Joy is a state of peace, hope, strength, gladness, and contentment brought about by trust in God's promises, obedience to God's precepts, and delight in God's presence. Look here at Philippians 1. By the way, if there's someone in here tonight, if you are the individual who dropped that dog at our house... The Lord is going to do business with you. It was funny. um, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but Miss Mary sent my wife uh, a video message because they had two puppies that came up to their house. And she said that apparently they found the hole in the fence. And I told her, I said, you need to respond and ask her where that hole in the fence is because you're getting another one. We're going to find the hole in the fence and we're bringing you another dog. Philippians chapter number 1, let's read the first two verses. Then we'll go over to chapter 4 and read a verse. And then we're going to make our way to Acts chapter number 16. And we're going to do so because Acts chapter number 16 is where we find the beginnings of the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter number 1. Verse number one, the Bible says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ which are at Philippi. Let me say this tonight, and and we're going to speak to this a little bit tonight, but the local church is important. When Paul wrote letters, he wrote them to local churches. That's why the local churches are so vitally important I I hear people say sometimes well you know I don't have to go to church I don't have to go to a local church because I'm part of the body of Christ and and you know the body of Christ is just one big body I don't have to go to a local church and I want to ask those individuals well who are you going to call when you need help are you going to call the universal church pastor or are you going to call the local church pastor? You see how off we can get with our theology sometimes and our doctrine sometimes uh, because we, we feel like we're a little bit above it. I don't have to go to a local church. I don't have to go to church because I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm part of the greater church. No, when Paul wrote his epistles, he wrote them to the local church. That's why the local church is so vital. That's why faithfulness to the local church is so important. And he says to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, look over at chapter number 4. Just one verse. And th- this is really the theme throughout the book of Philippians. It is the theme of joy. It is the theme of rejoicing. And in verse number 4, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, I I can rejoice in the Lord when when things are going well, when my health is good, and when when financial matters are good, and, and when there's unity and and peace in the family. I can rejoice in the Lord. Yes, we can. But we can rejoice in the Lord when those things aren't true. We can rejoice in the Lord when maybe my health isn't what it ought to be. Some of you have dealt with some things over the past few weeks. and Some of you have had colds and flus and flus, flu and the different things that have been going on this year. You've dealt with sickness. I can still rejoice and I can still have joy. You know, we make this statement many times when something good happens, we say God is good and that's right and good. Boy, God's good, isn't He? Well, listen, God's still good when something bad happens. God's still good if, if the outcome isn't what I planned. God's still good. His character doesn't change. And the Apostle Paul, he says, look, church at Philippi, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, as he said, I'm going to say it again. It was so good the first time, I'm going to say it again. And again, I say, rejoice. And so tonight, I want to speak about that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And really, tonight's just an introduction to our study in the book of Philippians. And so I want us to take our Bibles and go back to Acts. Acts chapter number 16, and we'll look here primarily tonight, we'll go back a little bit to Philippians chapter 1, but Acts chapter number 16, and tonight I want us to see the church, I want us to see the circumstances, and I want us to see the content. I want us to see the church that the letter was written to, I want us to see the circumstances, Uh, in which that letter was written. And then I want us to see the content of the letter. The content of the book of Philippi. The letter, the epistle that was written to the church at Philippi. So we'll see the church. And then we'll see the circumstances of the writing. Really we're looking at the circumstances of Paul here, the writer. And then we're going to see the content. Okay, Let's pray. Ask the Lord to help tonight. We'll try to be brief uh, because... Uh, food is waiting, right? And so, but I, I, this is the most important food tonight, and I pray that we'll give our attention to it. Father, we love you tonight. Help us, teach us, remind us. Um, Father, I, I pray that you would even tonight, even as we just look at introductory introductory items tonight, Father, I pray that you prick our hearts about this matter of joy, about this matter of rejoicing, Because our circumstances do not determine our joy. Our trust in your promises, our obedience to your precepts, and Lord, being in your presence, the delight that we have in your presence, that's what gives us joy. And so Lord, I pray that you'd remind us of that tonight. Just teach us in a wonderful way. Help us in these next few moments. We commit them to you. Those that are away from us tonight, for whatever reason, Father, we just pray that you'd help. Whether it's sickness, we pray that you put your hand of healing upon them. Lord, maybe traveling, maybe just out of pocket tonight, we just pray that you'd bless in a special way. And we'll thank you for it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So number one tonight, let's look at the church. The church that this letter was written to, we know it was the church at Philippi but I want us to see two things its place and its people primarily its people its place is Philippi its place is eastern Europe Philippi was located uh, about nine miles from the Aegean Sea in eastern Europe if you will this is what actually let's just read let's just read verse number six Acts chapter 16, verse number 6. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. We, we call this the, the Macedonia call. We call this Paul's Macedonia vision. He, he, he sees someone saying, come and help us. And so Paul now, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit did not suffer him to go to certain places, but he gets this call to go to Macedonia. And the Bible says, and after he had seen the vision in verse number 10, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us, For to preach the gospel unto them. Paul says, look, why are we going to go there for any other reason? We're going there to preach the gospel. Why why would I have a vision of someone saying, Come and help us, other than that they need to hear the gospel? Uh, That's why we send missionaries. They go to preach the gospel. They go to uh, see people saved and to plant churches. Humanitarian things are great. But those should just be a tool. That should not be the main reason why we're going somewhere. Listen, as uh, as um, let me say it this way: American churches do a good job of feeding and watering people, and making this world. A better place from which to go to hell. Humanitarian aid can be a great tool, but that should never be the only reason we go. The reason we go is to preach the gospel. The reason we go is to tell someone, as we saw with the Browns, is to tell someone that they can be reconciled to God through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we go. And Paul says we're going to preach the gospel. Verse number 10, verse number 11, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. See, here's what God's going to do. God's going to send the Apostle Paul to a very strate- excuse me, strategic place from which he can plant a church and that church is going to be able to reach numerous peoples. I, I-, I thought it was beyond amazing sitting there tonight after Brother Steve said what he said about his his cousin, has a cousin in Busan. Wouldn't it be interesting if God took two young people who grew up in little, well, it's not little anymore, but in Madison, Alabama, and He called them to be missionaries and He would take them to South Korea and to a city called Busan and He would bring another individual there who's going to teach English and He would do that and He would allow them. Now they haven't met yet, but wouldn't it be a wonderful thing, an amazing thing, a most powerful thing, if God would bring individuals from America to South Korea to meet so that He could hear the gospel and get saved? be a wonderful thing. By the way, as Brother Steve said, He can do that. He's done greater things than that before. And the Bible says that they have come to Philippi which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. So we have the place, the church that this letter was written to. It was the church at Philippi. So we have the place, but now we begin to see the people. Verse number 13. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside. It's interesting that Paul went to the riverside. Normally, where would Paul go? He'd go to the synagogue. Was there no synagogue here? Possibly. But he didn't go to the synagogue. He would normally go to the synagogue to preach. But the Bible says, and by the way, the verse or the passage will tell us, and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. Why did he go there? Because that's where the people were. And they were praying. Now they weren't saved yet, but they were praying. They were searching, they were seeking. And the Bible says where prayer was wont to be made and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us. She worshipped God. Was she a Jew who worshipped God? She worshipped God but she wasn't saved yet. She had not come to the knowledge of Christ yet. The Bible says she worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she beha- excuse me, besought us saying, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So we begin to see the people. And we're going to see three specific individuals. We, we, we don't know all of their. We only know one name. We know the name Lydia. But the Bible says here in verse number 15, her whole house got saved. Her household wasn't saved because she got saved. Her household wasn't saved because she believed in what Paul was teaching and what Paul was preaching. In verse number 14, it says, Whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. You know what that means there? That means she believed what Paul was saying. She believed what Paul was preaching. And in verse number 15, and when she was baptized... And her household. Whole household got saved. By the way, that's how a church starts. People get saved. Well, no, a church starts when you get a whole bunch of people who went to Bible college and they moved to the same area and then you can start a good church. Nope. Now that does happen sometimes. Praise God for people who went to Bible college. That can help a tri- Praise the Lord for that. But that's not how the church starts. The church starts by ordinary people coming to the saving knowledge of Christ. They get baptized. They get added to the church. They grow. They're taught. And by the way, notice what she says in verse number 15. She says, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So the first lady we meet... The first person in this church at Philippi is the purple seller, Lydia. It's Lydia. The purple seller, Lydia. The second person that we meet is a young damsel who's possessed. Look what the Bible says in verse 16. It came to pass as we went to prayer a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination. "...met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, Can I say this tonight? We've said this before. Listen, that stuff still happens today. We just don't think about it. We're naive to it sometimes. We think that could never happen. We, we think that person could not be possessed with a devil. It still happens. And the Bible says that this young lady, this damsel, she's possessed with a spirit of divination. She met them which brought her masters much gain by saying The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. And brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, and made their feet fast in the stock. So a second lady, we have, we have the purple seller, Lydia. We have the possessed damsel. By the way, let me say this tonight. When somebody gets saved, we're excited about that. At least we ought to be. But not everybody's excited about that. Not everybody in your family, when you got saved, was excited about it. I hope they were, but maybe they weren't. And sometimes when people get saved, not everybody's excited because of what that means. For these folks, it meant, hey, this, she, she's our meal ticket. She's the one that makes money for us. She's a soothsayer. She had masters above her and she was the soothsayer. She could, she could read the, the, the cards and she could read the palms and she was making the money. By the way, don't you ever go to that. Don't you ever let somebody read your palm. Don't you ever let somebody read tarot cards for you. That's wicked and demonic. Don't ever do that. You're allowing a world to be open that you do not want to be opened. Don't do that. But she was making them money. She was was their meal ticket and she got saved. They weren't happy about it. By the way, the magistrates weren't happy about it. And there was persecution because this young lady... Now some would argue, well, Pastor, you don't know if she got saved or not. He just cast out the demon. And so we could have an argument about it. I believe this young lady got saved. But then we come to the third person in verse number 25. The church, its place in Philippi, its people. We have the purple seller, Lydia. Then we have the possessed damsel. And then number three, we have the Philippian jailer. The Bible says in verse number 25, verse 24, or excuse me, verse 23, they're charged, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. They're, st- they're still joyful, aren't they? Still joyful. We're just preaching the gospel. We're just helping, we've helped two young ladies. By the way, we don't know that the purple we don't know that Lydia was a young lady, but we've just helped two young ladies come to Christ. We're just preaching the gospel. And somebody they've thrown us into prison. They're still rejoicing. The Bible says they prayed and they sang praises unto God. And who heard them? prisoners by the way it wasn't just the prisoners was it but the Bible says and the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled by the way we we know why he was going to do that because he was going to be killed anyway if he allowed the prisoners to escape, he would have his life would have been taken as well. He said, I might as well do it myself." Verse number 28, but Paul excuse me, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, "Do thyself no harm. Do thyself no harm for we are all here." Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. It's night. He can't see them. He he knows the earthquake has happened and the, the doors have been opened. He thinks they're all gone. The bands are loosed, verse number 26 says. The doors are open. He thinks they're all gone. He cannot see, but he hears a voice. Don't do it! Don't take your life! We're all still here. The Bible says he gets a light. He comes in. He wants to see. Is everybody still here? Verse number 30. And brought them out. Well, that famous question, sirs. The Bible says in verse 25 that the prisoners heard him. I think the Bible is very clear that the Philippian jailer heard him as well. Because he comes in, the Bible says he comes in trembling in verse number 29. and He falls down before Paul and Silas. Who would do this? Who would stay? The bands are loose, the doors are open. Who would stay like this? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? By the way, he's not talking about his physical salvation. He's not not asking them, what do I need to do to to keep from being killed by the authorities if some of the prisoners, prisoners are escaped? He's not asking that, Sirs, what must I do to be physically saved? He's asking them, Sirs, what must I do to be spiritually saved? He's heard what they have preached. He's heard their prayers. He's heard their singing. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, by the way, this is the same message that Paul gave to everyone he preached to. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the God-man who came and died on the cross of Calvary and shed His blood. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And Paul said, and your whole house can be saved the same way. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his. So his whole house did get saved. So we have the purple cellar Lydia. And her whole house, her whole household. Excuse me. We have the possessed damsel, and we have the Philippian jailer, and his whole household. We don't know who that is. We don't know if it's a wife and a child or a few children. We don't know, but it says the whole servants. I believe that would include the servants in the household as well. He so said the whole household received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that was the beginnings of the church at Philippi. Now, by the time he writes the letter, who all is in that church? We, we don't know. We, we don't know how big it is. We don't, know, we don't know the total number. But there's no doubt in my mind that these individuals were there. There's no doubt in my mind that at least in that number is Lydia and her family is the Philippian jailer, whatever his name was, and his whole family and the possessed damsel. That's how a church starts. It starts in a place that is needy. And let me say this, every place is needy. It starts in a place with people who come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts in a place where a man has a vision to go and say they need help, they need the gospel, they need someone to come and preach the gospel to them. And that man answers the call of God Almighty upon his life and he goes where God has called him. And he preaches the gospel. would it be a wonderful thing If in this number tonight, sure, we got to go. In this number tonight, if there would be some young men that God would call to go to a needy place and some young ladies in here who would go with them after they got married of course and go to a needy place and preach the gospel. And preach the gospel and preach the gospel and preach the gospel and preach the gospel. And maybe they have a handful saved and maybe they, uh, they they start a church with just a handful. That's how a church starts. And I believe with all my heart tonight that God is still calling young men to the ministry. He's still calling. He's still giving young men The Macedonia call, the vision, to go somewhere and to serve and to preach the gospel and to see people saved and to see them baptized and to see them added to the church and seeing them grow and grow and useful servants in the church. Number one tonight, we see the church. Number two, we see the circumstances. Go go back to Philippians chapter number one. We need to go quickly because we just do. Philippians chapter number one, we see the church. I said it just a moment ago. I'm thankful. I am thankful for people who have some training when it comes to the Bible and have some training or and are able to help. But that's not the way most churches start. Now it does. Many times it starts with a young man who maybe was trained in a Bible college and he's called and he goes somewhere and he starts a church. But the church is not full of Bible college students. The church is full of just ordinary people. And by the way, Bible college students are ordinary people too. But it's just people who go to work every day and who love their families, but they need the Lord Jesus Christ and they get saved. And the church is planted. That's how churches start. And all across our nation, there are little communities, there are little towns, there are little cities. By the way, can I say this? All across West Tennessee... You know how many people I talked to about West Tennessee and how void West Tennessee is of good Bible preaching, Bible believing churches. Oh, there's plenty of churches, but good Bible believing, Bible preaching churches. Many little towns all across West Tennessee are. If I have not, if I've talked to one person, I've talked to a hundred people about that. Void of Bible believing, Bible preaching churches. And what if God would use some of these young men in here tonight for, for their home church, Maranatha Baptist Church, to send them out and plant and start uh, another church from their church. By the way, that's what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to start other churches. But people have to answer the call. Paul had to answer the call. And he went. Now, by the way, Paul had already answered the call, Right? He was already on a missionary journey. But he answered the call to go to Macedonia. And the church was started. Number one, the church. Number two, the circumstances. Look with me Philippians chapter number one, verse number 12. The circumstances of Paul, of the letter writer, he was in jail. Two things he was in jail, but he was full of joy. He was in jail, but he was full of joy. Look at verse number 12. But I would, ye should understand. Philippians 1 verse 12. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ... What, what do bonds mean? What does that mean? He's in bondage. He's in prison. Many, many believe that he's in the, the Mamertine, Mamertine, however you pronounce it. He's in the Mamertine prison at this time. And he says, my bonds have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. He said, look, God sent me here. I'm getting to preach and I'm getting to witness to people in the palace. He said, in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bond... The fact that he was in jail and he's still joyful about it and he's still serving, he's still writing letters, it encouraged others. It encouraged other brethren. It bolstered, it heartened other brethren to keep working and serving as well. He said, And many of the brethren of the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Number one, the church. Number two, the circumstances. He was in jail, but he was full of joy. Then number three, The content. The content. Let me just give you this real quickly because this is what we're going to look at over the next number of weeks. The content of the letter. By the way, what's the content of the letter? What's the content of the letter? Okay, the gospel. Absolutely. But what else? Salvation. Reassurance. Reassurance joy, joy in suffering, joy in service, joy in the Savior, joy in strength. By the way, Philippians chapter number 3, several said salvation, assurance, the gospel. Man, Philippians chapter number 3, he said, if I could boast... He said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrew. If anybody could boast in the flesh, it was me. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted what? Loss. And he preached the gospel. The content of the letter is rejoicing, is joy. Joy, whether it was suffering, joy, whether it was service, joy in the Savior. In Philippians chapter number 3, Rejoicing in strength. In Philippians chapter number 4, the content of the letter, rejoicing. Rejoicing. rejoicing in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Seventy-five years ago, this church started. Now, by the way, it started with people who were already saved. They're already baptized. But this church started 75 years ago. And for 75 years, I pray and I hope, and I haven't been here for the entirety of that 75 years. I don't think anybody in here tonight has been here for the entirety of that 75 years. But I hope and pray that for the entirety of that 75 years, this has been a place of rejoicing. Good times? Hard times, bad times, conflict, confrontations maybe, but still rejoicing. Because rejoicing isn't dependent upon my circumstances. It's dependent upon my trust. It's dependent upon my obedience. And it's dependent upon my presence. Joy is the state of what? Of hope, of peace. Let me get my my definition out. It's a state of peace, hope, strength, gladness, and contentment brought about by trust in God's promises, obedience to God's precepts, and delight in God's presence. If we will practice those three actions... We trust His promises, we obey His precepts, and we delight in His presence. It doesn't matter what comes. We'll still be a people who rejoice. Let me ask you tonight, is your life, right at this moment, what is today? January the 21st, 2024, is your life... characterized by joy? I'm not saying you never have problems. We've gone over that. Is your life characterized by joy? Or are you one of those people when I catch your eye in Sam's and I smile at you, you turn your head and you don't smile? If you're a child of God tonight, and your life is not characterized by joy, then I submit to us tonight that one of three things, or maybe all three, either you're not trusting God's promises, or you're not being obedient to His precepts, or you're not delighting in His presence. Because if I'm doing those, I'm going to have joy. And I'm going to be in a state of peace, I'm going to be in a state of hope. I'm going to be in a state of confidence. I'm going to be in a state of contentment. I'm going to be in a state of gladness because that's what gives me joy, not my circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord always. Father, thank you for the time you've given us tonight. Help us to be a people who constantly rejoice. We're always abounding in joy. We're always rejoicing. Father, I pray that that would characterize the members at Maranatha Baptist Church. And Father, if it doesn't, then tonight as we begin this series through this book, may tonight we acknowledge that and may tonight we get some things right with you. And may tonight we say, Lord, help me to trust you more. Help me to trust your promises. Help me to be obedient to your precepts. And help me to to delight in your presence this year. I want to be a person who is characterized, my life characterized by joy. That's what I desire. So if we need to deal with that tonight, Lord, help us to do so. And we'll surely thank you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight if you're physically able. Miss Pam's at the piano. We will not prolong, but listen, if you need to do business with the Lord tonight, if your life, child of God, if your life is not characterized by joy tonight, you need to get something right. A child of God ought to be a joyful individual. No matter the circumstances. So maybe you'd kneel right where you're at. Maybe you'd come. You get some things right with the Lord tonight. I don't know if the Lord's worked in your heart, but if you need to come tonight, come. You might be here tonight. You don't know Christ. You've never called upon the name of the Lord for salvation. If that's you, I'd beg you to come. Let us take the Bible and show you what the Bible says about eternal life about salvation sirs what must I do to be saved believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved have you ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ his finished work his shed blood have you ever believed on that have you ever called upon the name of the Lord for salvation for the forgiveness of your sin if you've never done that maybe you need to come tonight not maybe you do need to come tonight you need to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation believer Are you joyful? Doesn't mean you don't have a a bad day every now and then. Doesn't mean there's not some sorrows and some heaviness on some days, some weight, some gravity some days. But you don't allow the circumstances of this life to rob you of the joy that Jesus Christ promises. It's a fruit of the Spirit, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So when I'm trusting His promises, I'm obeying His precepts, I'm delighting in His presence, I'm yielding, I'm reaping the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to be a joyful individual. Where He sends, we will go, the song says. Trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen. Thank you so much for your attendance today. It's been a good day to be in God's house. So thankful for God's Word and what He's done in our hearts uh, today. We're going to pray and be dismissed. And we have soup and sandwiches next door. Please do stay. If you're visiting with us tonight, you didn't bring anything, please stay. Anyway, there's plenty over there. We just want you to stay in fellowship with us tonight. We'll pray and dismiss. But once we get over there and get everything ready, we'll take another opportunity to pray for the food. And so let's go ahead and pray and be dismissed tonight. And we'll make our way over to the gym and fellowship together. Brother Jackie Moore, you dismiss us tonight, please, sir.